8.05 as we start the third and last hour of the Tober Show. Thank you for joining me this and every Saturday. If you get if you just get up a little bit later on Saturdays, you're not able to catch all hours. Make sure you catch either the replay from 9 to 12 tomorrow evening, Sunday evening, the Encore uh, presentation, or, of course, the podcast, which is up later today. Well, I'm glad we never miss a visit with Virginia Cruda, who joins us now. Virginia from the Daily Wire at VA Cruda. How are you doing, Virginia? Are you happy today in the wake of the decisions this week? Oh, I'm I'm good this morning. It's it's been interesting to watch for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's been fun to watch too. The apoplectic reaction on the left. I mean, first after the. New York uh, gun control, uh, the, the concealed carry thing was overturned on Thursday, or was it Wednesday? I'm losing track right. of the days no, now. No, it was Thursday. Uh, Keith, it was Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. Keith Oberman calls Amy Coney Barrett, but not Kavanaugh or Gorsuch, Gorsuch, just Amy Coney Barrett, the newest and young and female, and I don't know, perhaps the youngest member of the court, but I'm not sure of that. She's a paralegal but not the two male members. Wow, where are all the feminists? All of those on the left who are, who are just outraged over, where? how come they're not attacking Keith Oberman when he only calls Amy Coney Barrett a paralegal? Ironic, huh? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it, it, it's the same thing that it always is. You know, it, the, the attacks are only okay when when they're against the people that they want them to be against. So, you know, if, if he's attacking Amy Coney Barrett, it's okay because they'd prefer that she be attacked. They'll be quiet when, you know, it's it's the same thing. Like, wh- where are women's rights when you're talking about uh, uh, transgender uh, transgender students in sports? You know, nobody cares about women's rights anymore because you can't identify a woman. Well, now they struck down Roe v. Wade and all of a sudden they know what women are again. It's, <laughs> it's like, I don't, it's difficult to follow the logic. Yeah, yeah. Well, but this was a good wi- a good uh, week for women, and it was National Women's Sports Week, and celebrating Title IX and protection for women's sports in in you know college and other athletics. Um, and at the same time, the FINA, that uh, that international right. organization that regulates sports, uh, they came down and said, "Hey, a post-puberter male who now wants to transition and call himself female cannot compete in the women's sports." And I thought, "Wow, okay, we're making some progress. The pushback is making yeah. some progress." And they actually uh, proposed what I talked about. Maybe we've talked about it. Maybe a third class or competition class of sort of an open class where you're transgender, you don't know what you are, but <laughs> that's where you compete. Um, what, what do you think about the developments uh, with the FINA this week? Well, they could they could do a third class. They could allow you to compete under your biological sex. You could, uh, and you just have to, you know, uh, uh, obviously, unless you were, um, I was going to say, I don't, I don't think there would be any disadvantage to competing as your biological sex unless you're talking about allowing females who have been taking testosterone to continue to compete with other females, because then that right. would be an issue as well. Um, Which is why a third, an intermediate yeah. league seems to make sense to me, right? The, basically the transgender league. I mean, that seems to make right. sense to me. Yeah, it does. It does. I just, it seems like overly complicating a situation that really should be, if you are going to compete, you have to meet the qualifications that, that are here to compete. You know, so obviously the only alternative is, is a third, third section, but you know, it it is going to be interesting to see because I was talking to somebody yesterday about 
about what was going to happen after, you know, the, the Department of Justice had, had been sending out emails to pro-life centers and to crisis pregnancy centers warning them that they could see violence and they could see vandalism and stuff in the wake of this decision. And I thought, you know, if this decision had gone the other direction, that warning would not have been necessary. That's true. That's true. Hey, I wanted to, I wanted to play something for you, uh, and I'm sure you've seen this, but this was a, a video that sure. Max and I thought maybe was Babylon B when we first saw it earlier this week, but it's actually okay. real. And it's from the Navy, and it's about pronouns and educating oh, these yeah. young sailors. Let's just play the intro to that first. We'll, we'll unpack this here in the next few moments. Here's the Hi, intro to the my name is Johnny, and I use he, him pronouns. Hi, and I'm Conchi, and I use she, her pronouns. And we're here to talk about pronouns. What is a pronoun? A pronoun is how we identify ourselves apart from our name, and it's also how people refer to us in conversations. Using the right pronouns is a really simple way to affirm someone's identity. It is a signal of acceptance and respect. If it's a signal of acceptance and respect, how do we go about creating a safe space for everybody? That's a good question. A really good way to do that is to use inclusive language. Instead of saying something like, hey, guys, you can say, hey, everyone, or hey, team. <laughs> yeah, and now that you say that, another way that we could show that we're allies and that we accept everybody is to maybe include our pronouns in our emails or, like we just did, introduce ourselves using our pronouns. So now, Virginia, you've been in the military. Yes. Uh, are you still reserves? Forgive me, I don't remember. No, no. Okay, but you've been in the military. You come from a military family. I'm thinking this is a really good idea for our service members, uh, in this case the Navy, to be taught that when they're at the point of a sphere, uh, of a spear or facing you know, an enemy from China or, Afghan or, or Iran or, or somewhere else or Russia, to, to approach their enemy and say, now, I want to be in a safe space, and I need to know what your pronoun is, and I want you to be an ally. Uh, I'm thinking that's a really good place to be if you're trying to defend this country. What say you, Virginia? Well, to be fair, they're talking about amongst themselves rather than addressing the enemy in that. I, I know that, but the whole but mentality I, I is about safe spaces and about respecting people. I just, I don't get it. I don't, every, I'm sorry. I don't get every it. Every member of the U.S. Armed Forces is at least 17 years old because you have to be, you have to be 17 with parents' permission or 18 years old to be in training. And that video sounds like it's aimed at three-year-olds. So that's, that's, <laughs> number, that's my number one problem. They, they sound like they're talking to toddlers. And but but be that as it may, I mean, the military is not supposed to be a safe space. It's supposed to put you in a physically safe space and challenge everything else. Uh huh. Well said. That's what. So training it, so is in, for. in other words, and let me let me see what I what I heard you say, Virginia, is you're in a physically protected space when you're in the military, at least during the training, training sessions. But yes. but you're challenged mentally and you're made to feel uncomfortable because you certainly will be in in the theater yes. of war. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if I if I were to go by the things that they actually called us when I was in training, my pronouns were space cadet and crackhead. You know, they, that's that's just how they referred to people because they were trying to get your intention. They were trying to disrupt what you the way you thought and and force you to think as a member of a team that functioned in that way. And you don't get there by saying, oh, honey, do you feel safe this morning? No. 
that's not how you get to you don't get to cohesive teamwork if you're individually going to each person and and making sure they and that that where does it end because you know you watch libs of tiktok i'm sure too and there yeah. are people put, come, coming out there and saying well my pronouns are b and fairy uh, okay <laughs> You know, let me let's let's play some more of this because we want to make sure that those we're we're all look those of us who are conservatives do truly and in our hearts all joking aside we do want to respect one another and we do want to be civil and courteous as opposed to the shrill you know nonsense that comes from the left where it's all about you know personal attacks and human beings and human value not you know delusions. But just in case you were to misgender someone, I thought we should get a little instruction from the U.S. Navy. But what would I do if I uh, misgender someone? I think the first thing to recognize is that it's not the end of the world. You correct yourself and move on, or you accept the correction and move on. The most important thing I can tell you is do not put the burden of making you feel good about your mistake on the person that you just misgendered. Oh, thank you for telling me that. So, Virginia, if you tell me this morning that you want to identify as a bee or a space cadet or a fairy, um, and I choose not to do that... I'm the bad guy. Uh, it's there's something wrong with me. My my worldview is all screwed up. And there's nothing wrong with you, Virginia. Nothing wrong with you at all. <laughs> right. You know, Dana Perino brought this up on and the, the video, I think, is in my Twitter feed. She was talk, on the five. She was talking about um, the Biden administration's plans to open up Title IX to transgender youths as well. And she was talking about how now using the wrong pronouns could get you banned from competition in sports. You know, it, we're, we're looking at a position where the wokeness becomes mandatory and you can't, it, you know, we, we were talking about what FINA did, but the problem is if the Biden administration does this in Americans, you, you don't have the international competition may be fair, but the, it, but the, the, uh, within the United States, it won't be. And you could get yourself bumped from competition for misgendering somebody before you ever got to the international stage. Wow. I hadn't thought of it that way. Hey, how about in the employment realm? I choose, I never will put a a, 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 pro, a preferred pronoun on a signature, but I'm seeing that more and more, whether it's on a LinkedIn description or whether it's in emails. I won't do that. That's not something I do. In fact, I tend to get a little judgmental about people who do put that under their name. Um, but I, I would imagine there are now HR departments, probably in many, if not most companies anymore, bigger companies, probably more than smaller, where that's an expectation. You must uh, you must uh, proclaim your gender. You think there'll be discrimination by those who choose not to uh, gender themselves, to pronoun themselves? You know, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see that because it it's you know to on the one hand you would think that they would just they would respect your your privacy and your decision to not put that on there but at the same time they might do what you do when you when you look at it and you see the pronouns there you make a judgment about the kind of person that that did that they may make a judgment they may see your lack of pronouns and think well this is the kind of person who doesn't care what my pronouns are if you don't care what your own pronouns are how can you care about somebody else's and and i'll be honest i don't have time to care about my pronouns or somebody else's <laughs> 
kind of to do without right. adding that to like <laughs> and and that's my concern with this happening in the workplace. Do you not want them to do their jobs? I mean, this is we're more concerned about pronouns than we are about your ability to do a, a specific job at this point. And that that's how you end up with you know, a $15 minimum wage where the people who are earning it don't actually know what they're doing. <laughs> um, on, a, on a political note, in the wake of the decisions, uh, of course, the gun decision was one, but I think right. the Roe versus Wade will, will sway most heavily on voters' minds. What influences is going to have in the midterms and beyond? Is this going to trump or, or, or sort of or claw back some uh, some power on the left to maybe hold on to some of those seats? Are, are inflation, law and order, and the border still going to be the number one, two, three, four, five, six issues? Uh, I think inflation is still going to be the number one issue. What, what I think is going to happen is you're going to see a handful of Democrats scream and rage in the streets for a couple of days and then realize, I live in New York City. The abortion laws here are never going to change. Or I live in Washington, D.C. The abortion laws here are never going to change. And so they're going to see that overturning Roe v. Wade actually doesn't impact them personally. Because, you know, you, you hear all this big talk from from uh, prominent Democrats about how this is going to disproportionately impact, you know, women in Mississippi who can't get an abortion up until the last day of their pregnancy or women in Missouri or women in Alabama. But women in Missouri and Alabama and Mississippi are not the ones protesting this. They're the ones getting up and going to work and doing going about their everyday lives. And half of them probably don't even know the that the decision was overturned unless yeah. they were on social media. So you know, I I actually think this is a great are not going to be the one impacted ones impacted by it. And You're it's right. going to be and, interesting to see who cares in two weeks. Yeah, and you're right. I think it's going to be a, a slow burn until people on the left who are so worked up over this realize, and I'm talking about rank and file, you know, everyday citizens who mm -hmm. have other things to do than worry. They hear from yeah. the left, from MSNBC, from CNNers, this is the this is the abolition of abortion in America when nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, sadly, right. there may actually be laws that uh, that uh, codify infanticide in places like New York or or California. Who knows? I mean, you know, is it going to be up until and shortly after birth? You can you can you know snuff out the baby. Yeah, I don't I know. I, I hope not. Yeah, I, I don't know, I, but I do, I do think that, that it's not going to be top of mind in November. There will be a few people who are very, very upset about this, and they'll go out and they'll vote, you know, they'll vote early or they'll, um, but, but I don't see, I, especially if the things continue to go the way they are going regarding the economy, regarding inflation, regarding gas prices, which, you know, that gas tax holiday that they're proposing, in addition to being a bad idea to begin with, they're bragging about how it's going to save you 18 cents per gallon of gas. What they don't tell you is that it's 18 cents per gallon of gas, no matter how high the gas prices go. Right. Right. So if you, <laughs> if you look at because it's a, it's a per gallon tax, it's not a percentage tax. So if you look at this and you do the math, the average gas tank is 15 gallons. And right now, the average gas price is right around five dollars a gallon. Right. 18 cents a gallon at 15 gallons saves you about two dollars and 70 cents off a 15-gallon tank of gas, which costs $75. So you're now paying $72.30 for a $75 tank of gas. You've saved $2.70, which is not even enough to go to Starbucks after you leave. 
the gas yeah, Or buy right? a dozen eggs these days. I mean, it's just well, going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, if gas prices go up to $6 a gallon, your tank is now $92 a gallon, but you're still only saving $2.70. Yep. Well said. And then well if, said. They hit, if they hit $7, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. Right. So, but, yeah. and, and so they're depending on states to lower their gas taxes as well, which some are putting in freezes and some are not. And they're depending on the gas companies to lower their prices at the pump in order to, to make this actually, to make people actually feel a difference. And the thing is, and several people even on CNN have pointed this out, how can you ask a gas company, here, you take the hit now and in five years we'll put you out of business? Well, yeah, right. Yeah, that's, yeah, Joe Biden's like, Joe, Joe Biden's like, hey, you're my worst enemy. You're the devil incarnate, you oil companies. Now, please lower the price. Please help me out here. I need your help. What a joke. Well, Virginia, as always, great analysis and always uh, expert opinion. We always enjoy talking with you and uh, hope uh, you can join us again next week. Thanks for all your opinion. I hope folks will follow you on Daily Wire and, of course, on Twitter at VA Cruda. I, uh, I get notifications in all your tweets. They're, they're right on. Thanks so much. Okay, there she is, Virginia Cruda. Coming up, we're going to talk with Dr. Bob Onder about some medical questions that have arisen now that Missouri's trigger law is in effect following the overturning of uh, Roe versus Wade. He joins me straight ahead here on the Randy Tobler Show on News Talk STL 1019 and 941. here on a Saturday morning after a 50-year battle, no, just one year shy of a 50-year battle to preserve human life. And I know Dr. Bob Onder, my guest this hour, or this segment, is has been at the forefront of that battle and fighting it on many levels. And uh, Bob, it's time to celebrate a little bit without spiking the ball, but just uh, what a what a great, great tribute to uh, Americans like you, great Americans who have defended human life and finally now gotten it over the goal line. Congratulations for all the hard work you've been in doing your part. Well, thank you, Randy. It was really a great day yesterday for for the cause of human life. It was, as you say, the culmination of almost five decades of hard work by pro-lifers. And, you know, again, uh, it was not just the legal strategy, that long-term uh, fight to first elect um, public officials who would uh, appoint judges who believed in the original meaning of the Constitution and not making up new rights from the bench, uh, but also a long, long um, struggle to uh, to enact sensible regulations uh, so that um, that medical procedures can be conducted safely to protect women's life and health. And of course, the the uh, decades of work by pregnancy care centers to help women choose life for their unborn children. So, the just the the vast amount of, of uh, work and uh, effort and prayer that went into uh, the victory yesterday was was just really gratifying. Before we get into some of the ramifications for Missourians, if any, uh, perceived or real from the trigger law, and I know you know as much about that as anyone in the state, um, I I did want to, I think, drill down on on something that I think is a real opportunity uh, in the wake of this this law. We need to recognize, and I know you do, I do, everyone who is pro-life certainly recognizes that women find themselves 
couples find themselves, women find themselves in circumstances with an, an unplanned pregnancy, perhaps even in the face of contraception. And uh, in the difficult economic times now, uh, sometimes, you know, and, and on top yes. of just the everyday difficulties people have. And so now more than ever, it's incumbent on Republicans to be the responsible moral high road high uh, take the high road people we are and make sure that we continue to support and even expand support if not if not through the state which is not my preference through our civic organizations our religious organizations our families our communities to support women that are in a crisis pregnancy wouldn't you agree well i would agree absolutely randy the um the the uh the founding and then the expansion of things like a pregnancy care center tax credits and the work of pregnancy care centers like Birthright, Our Ladies in Thrive, and countless others affiliated with you know churches and civic organizations, organizations that that uh, are dedicated to help women, um, and not not just to make the decision to choose life uh, for their unborn child, but to support. Uh, women uh, with everything from from medical care to uh, transportation to finding jobs to finding housing um, th- that work uh, done by you know generations of pro-lifers now um, needs to continue and need and needs to increase even more uh, but I you know again it's pro-lifers John Wilkie um, dr. John Wilkie a family medicine doctor who was the uh, one of the founders of uh, national right to life he used to say, why can't we love them both? And I think uh, pro-life Americans have always loved both the unborn child, yes, but the woman as well faced with difficult situations. It's it's the pro-abortion activists who are are firebombing and uh, destroying pregnancy care centers. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, I, I think we all want to have a, a discussion, a rational discussion about uh, recognizing the the gravity of the situation for the woman who faces a crisis pregnancy, but they don't want to have an equally rational discussion about those. By the way, they're usually the ones who are the most emotional about the precious young lives in schools that may be lost, and I'm absolutely in agreement with that. But somehow they oh, yeah. don't want to have a discussion about the value of the precious pre-born life inside that woman, and can't we sit down? and have a reasonable discussion and I think it doesn't it doesn't serve them well it doesn't serve them well at all let's get to the Missouri um, the trigger law because I have been inundated since yesterday and I you know being a a truth yeah. seeker I don't want to I don't want to you know I want to destroy myths that are out there one of the myths by people whom I respect I have heard people whom I respect with with advanced degrees, <laughs> say that yes. Bob Onder and those like him are going to take a woman who is in St. Louis, Missouri, and who travels to Illinois to get an abortion, is going to be convicted or, you know, accused of and convicted of a crime because it's illegal for her to have an abortion. What about trans- going and getting an abortion in a state where it's legal? Randy, not only is that not true uh, in Missouri on the 25th of June, 2022, that has never been true under any abortion law in any state ever in the history of our union. Um, even the pre-Roe versus Wade uh, abortion laws never imposed penalties upon women. They have always been aimed at, yes, outlawing abortion, and yes, 
um, if a uh, an abortionist uh, performs an abortion uh, illegally, there are penalties for that. But no, uh, traveling out of state or 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 driving uh, or, or, or driving a um, a spouse or a relative out of state uh, to to get an abortion, as unfortunate as that is, would not in any way be illegal um, under Missouri law. Okay, let's continue. And and again, ladies and gentlemen, this is a rare opportunity for you to talk with a, a, a guy who is uh, not only a medical doctor, but a lawyer uh, active in the in the uh, pro-life movement, uh, but can really answer some of these questions. Now, Bob, uh, of course, as a gynecologist, I have concerns because on occasion I have a patient come in, comes in with an ectopic pregnancy, a pregnancy sure. growing sure. in the tube. Um, and sure. that requires giving a pill or providing a surgery, which would technically terminate that episode. Now, many people consider a pregnancy starting when implantation in the uterus occurs. Um, are doctors to be fearful that they're going to be somehow maybe like the cake baker in Colorado, have a gotcha pro-choice or come and try to get that doctor convicted of some kind of anti-abortion or, uh, you know, doing that? Or, or in the case of a of a of an intrauterine miscarriage where it's called a blighted ovum there's a sack of fluid there's no baby and there's not going to be a baby by all universal standards is that going to get a doctor in trouble Uh, so no it won't randy um the the definition of abortion is set out in missouri law in chapter 188 and uh, abortion is defined you know for purposes of the statute obviously in in the medical context we define abortion in different ways a miscarriage Mm -hmm. is 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 a is a spontaneous abortion as you know of course um an abortion is defined as the intentional termination of the pregnancy of a mother by using or prescribing any instrument, device, medicine, drug, or other means, um, and and it it, it exempts um, the removal of the dead unborn child from that definition. Um, so certainly, a miscarriage or a blighted ovum where um, the unborn child is already um, uh, is already dead. Uh, it, it would not fit the definition of abortion. So a DNC after a miscarriage would not be an abortion. Uh, but I think the key word in the case of the ectopic is the word the word intent. In our law, intent is everything. It's it's an ex, it's a very different thing if if I accidentally tragically hit a bicyclist and 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 kill that person and and if i uh intentionally uh run over that bicyclist one would be you know manslaughter or depending on the circumstances maybe not a crime at all and then um, the latter would be first degree murder uh so so with the intent of um of, uh, of 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 killing the unborn child, and that is not what an OBGYN intends when um, when managing a an anatopic pregnancy or a, or a miscarriage. What about um, I'm getting from people very close to me and people friends and and even family members saying, what about an IUD? An IUD. Yeah. Uh, can on rare, rare occasions by the yes. best rigorous studies uh, prevent yeah. implantation. Now, it's intended and 99.99% mechanism yeah. of action prevents yes. the sperm from getting to the egg. Is the placement of an IUD, is uh, maybe even in an emergency situation, is the use of plan B over the counter contracept, you know, emergency contraception, is that going to be considered an abortifacient? Well, th- these are gray areas yeah. that a lot of people yeah. have yeah. questions about. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and, and, and I could see where, 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 you know, even well-meaning people would regard these as gray areas. Again, I believe the, the key word is the, the key phrase is the intentional termination of the pregnancy of a mother by way of using a, a, or prescribing any instrument and so on. So certainly, uh, when an IUD is, is, is placed, uh, there is no intent to, uh, terminate a, a pregnancy. Um, yes, in those rare cases, cases where implantation is blocked that might be months or i believe some iud's are you know stay you know stay in place for years so there's no intent first of all at that moment that woman wouldn't be a mother of course being being pregnant is a contraindication of course to placement of an iud and there would be no intent to terminate a pregnancy and as you point out um you know some of the iud's of course are hormonal and of course their main mechanism is blocking you know blocking sperm Wow. Listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. All of you crazy people on the right who want to put words in people like Dr. Randy Tober and Dr. Bob Anders' mouth and want to paint us as some kind of crazy-eyed, we want to prevent women from using contraception, and, uh, you know, uh, that's just not the case. Wow. Bob, you're not the wild-eyed, crazy pro-lifer that people like to paint you out to be. My goodness, what a revelation this morning on a Saturday morning. Well, Randy, nor is the sky falling. Um, and, you know, <laughs> what, what we, nor, nor, you know, now, now, yesterday when the when the um, when when Roe versus Wade was uh, overturned within minutes, um, the Attorney General did issue the statement that Roe v. Wade was overturned. Um, so, abortion was in Missouri and in um, two other states uh, really. You know, effectively ended. Uh, but, um, you know, really what this did was to return the law to where it was 50 years ago before that very misguided decision, Roe versus Wade. Um, the principle of federalism says that these powers should be in the state, not from some unelected judges in Washington, D.C., uh, proclaiming what's best for the entire country. Right. Bob, uh, on the, before we leave you, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, probably as a as a as an attorney, as a, as a legal scholar, um, you have to be thrilled at the return to textualism and constitutional um, principles exhibited both in the concealed carry reversal uh, in New York, Absolutely. where, where, yes. a, where a, a citizen has to prove that they're not guilty until proven innocent of carrying a gun for the right reason. Um, in other words, preserving those laws from tyranny of the state, uh, th- those rights from tyranny of the state on the one hand. And on the other hand, of course, the Roe decision, I for one was disappointed at the decision that came down. It wasn't heralded and most people won't understand it, but they recognize because of the statutory words about uh, an HHS determination that hospitals are going to have a decrease in some of their funding that get Medicare and Medicaid funding. That's going to hurt the hospital that I happen to lead. It may even lead to some closure of, of certain service lines. But I respect that decision because it was a constitutionally con- uh, a consistent and textual decision. And that, to me, was a beautiful thing about this week in the court. What say you? I completely agree, Randy. Uh, really, it, it's just it's just heartening to see judges that justices who care about our constitution, who mm-hmm. who who are not making up rights and making up law as they would like it to be. They are interpreting the constitution as it was written, and that is that is all we can ask of judges. 
and that is their job. Um, the fact that our courts have been a tool of the radical left for for 50 years or more um, that that uh, that changed in a really big way this week. And I'm 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 really really it's uh, and I have to say we have to give a lot of uh, credit to Donald Trump for giving us you know three justices who who are who are thinking this way. Yeah. And uh, isn't it isn't it interesting? I've had some fun talking with my uh, my conservative slash uh, our, you know, Republican friends. And a lot of people, you know, Mitch McConnell's taken a lot of heat because he, you know, he occasionally, you know, does some things that some would say aren't purely ideologically, you know, constitutionally conservative. Oh, like, you know, going along with this latest school safety bill and so forth. But boy, I for one am thank I am. so. But you know what? I'm very we got to give credit where credit's due. And I am thankful about his strategic approach when it comes to both federal judges and of course can you imagine if Merrick Garland was sitting on the court today and that's that's wholly Mitch McConnell's doing that he's not there and we have to recognize that well that's right but I think you also owe a shout out to Chuck Schumer who who, mm. who uh, created the precedent that uh, federal yeah. judges under <laughs> the Obama right. administration <laughs> would be confirmed by a simple majority vote not by the super majority yep. to overcome a filibuster so uh, I think we, we need to thank Chuck Schumer because yeah. <laughs> we were able to get uh, three Trump justices confirmed on a simple majority vote. And I think that, um, you know, the Mr. Schumer deserves a lot of credit, too. Right? A nice a rhetorical dagger there from our friend, Dr. Bob Onder. <laughs> it was great. Well, the, hey, Bob, you know, the... Always, yeah, the, uh, yeah, yeah, the, the, the nuclear option uh, kind of yeah. came back to bite him. That's right. That boomerang, didn't it? Hey, it's always great to talk with you. Thanks for your analysis and really making clear the the intent uh, provisions in in the Maturity Sugar Bill and to sort of allay some of the hyped up fears that those on the left are trying to uh, to make for what is a very reasonable and and oh so life respecting law. Thank you, Bob, again for your leadership in this well, matter thank, and your analysis. Thank Appreciate you, it. thank you, Randy. The sky is not falling, but uh, but it was a big victory for the rule of law. God bless. All right, all right. God bless you. There he is, Dr. Bob Onder. And um, it's a great day in uh, in America and in Missouri, I, I think. Now, those of you on the left may not think so. There may be those of you on the right who think that this has gone too far. Let me know. I want to hear from you. It's your turn now as we wrap up the program in our last segment just coming up. 314-912-1019. 314-912-1019. That's my number here on News Talk STL 1019-941. Welcome home. Hey, I want to really give you a shout out for uh, calling my good friends, Dr. Jay Omas and Dr. Dan Cusimano, and experiencing the great experience, the great dental experience, the great oral cavity experience that you have there. And what do I mean by that? You know, it's not just about the teeth when you go see the dentist. It's about taking a look at your gums, your tongue, the base of your mouth, all of the inside of your cheeks, because yes, those can have a problem that can be a precancerous problem that can develop into a a, a serious issue that can develop in disfiguring and uh, often, uh, you know, very life-threatening surgery. They just give you the holistic approach to dental care, and they can do the beautiful job on cosmetics, too, uh, with fast braces, clear aligners, dental implants, and cosmetic dentistry. And yes, those therapeutic and cosmetic options, Botox and dermal fillers. Get to know them, please, like I have over the years, 636-978-0226, or on the web at AdvancedDentistryNow.com. That's AdvancedDentistryNow.com. The experts, the dental professionals, the best at Advanced Dentistry of St. Charles. Randy Tobler, Truth Warrior, Woke Destroyer on News Talk STL. 
Well, welcome back as we as we really give perspective to what's going on this past week. Of course, there are more decisions coming up with the Supreme Court uh, as it wraps up its term next week. But what a gratifying, big, happy sigh after the battle to to see Donald Trump elected when really a major thrust of that campaign was securing constitutional conservatism and textualism on the Supreme Court. And it came to fruition, of course, um, this week, culminating with the overturning of Roe versus Wade after a 49-year battle for what was, an, as Samuel Alito says, an egregiously decided um, decision back then, uh, creating Supreme Court justices, creating a right, uh, which um, actually, well, you create a right for one, but you eroded the rights for the other one, and that is the little one inside. So it's been a lot going on. Now, AOC had a thought about that. She, uh, of course, uh, is a shrill voice on the left, as we know. She joined a crowd. Uh, there was a gal in a, with a bullhorn uh, calling out the chant and leading the chant. And uh, AOC was joining them, saying the decision's illegitimate, and then encouraging people to go to the streets. Listen. Uh, don't cry for me, Argentina. I just think of populist um, South American banana republic leaders when I think of AOC. I mean, it's all about emotions. It's all about selfie videos and explaining how she's doing this and that in her, you know, 10th floor New York apartment, whatever. I, um, she's she's uh, I, I think she's going to be a flash in the pan. I don't know. I don't think she's going to have a lot of uh, a lot of longevity. I hope not anyway. But it gets better. People on the left are beginning to just melt down. Their performance in, in public, their behavior, their rhetoric, their... I mean, you look at... Uh, started with Chuck Schumer when he incited violence against Supreme Court justices, which almost came to fruition as someone tried to murder Brett Kavanaugh a couple of weeks ago. You hear outbursts like Maxine Waters. We played that earlier when she just says the hell with the Supreme Court. We'll defy them. I mean, just that kind of rash behavior on the part of people that should know better. And then there's the confusion element on the left. And there's no better example of that than our dear leader, Joe Biden. President Biden on New York concealed carry decision the other day. Help me, ladies and gentlemen, help gentlemen, help me and Max unpack this and try to sort out exactly what the president was saying. I am disappointed in the Supreme Court gun decision. Um, there is one little bit of solace in the, uh, the, uh, the minority making up the majority opinion has laid out that it affects not every state and affects only 40 states, a lot of states it affects. And the phrase that I, I found no noticeable was there's a difference between states that say may and, they, and say shall. The, if you have to say you shall give, you shall do A, B, C, they're the ones that are going to have problems. But most say may. I mean, may and, and I got it reversed, may and shall. And so there are, the gun laws in 40 of these states are still in place based on the decision. Not good enough, but it's, uh, I think it's a bad decision. I think it's, I think it's not reasoned accurately, but 
I'm disappointed. Well, I'm rambling, rambling, rambling guy. That's unbelievable. Everything he said was incorrect. <laughs> and and what's funny, on, on he's reading at one point, he's trying to sort out, does this affect 40 other states or doesn't right. it? Or they yeah. And it's may and shall and he and she and them and he and she and whatever. And, and, but he, this is where he picks up the famous card and he's looking in the back of the card. But the reporters and, of course, the video, the camera catches the front of the card where it says, you in capital, you, know, you walk into the room. You say hello. Wow. You take your seat. <laughs> it's crazy. And I just I, it's embarrassing to see the performance of this president and the fact that he has to be handled so carefully. It's frightening. Uh, and I think. Don't you think, Max, that people who may have voted basically an anti-vote Trump and he was the only choice, it was basically a, you know, the lesser of two evils. I I think that is a very fertile, fertile seedbed for for real gains in the midterms, if not beyond in 24. Oh, certainly. I don't see any support for Biden, even from his own party. And, and the big question I have, will Tulsi Gabbard drop her universal health care stance and become a player in the 24 election. Maybe as a VP candidate. I don't know. Maybe as a real deal. I don't know. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of The Tobler Show. Remember that um, no matter the challenge, as we saw last week, God, faith, family, and freedom, and those wonderful three co-equal branches will always find a way to make this great American country the great country it is. Have a great weekend, everybody. Savor the victory last week. We'll see you next Saturday. Christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me as he died.